0: I'm your host, Kareem Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the sex-positive relationship podcast, and today... Well, we're going to talk about sex, a lot of sex, so I hope that's okay with you, particularly we are going to talk about blowjobs. There, I said it. This is a very exciting podcast. You can stop it right now and go get your man if you want to pull him in here to listen to this because he might want to, or you can just listen to it and surprise him. No problem with that. (laughs) Today, my guest is Carla Cravaro, and she's a certified and trauma-informed sex, love, and relationship coach. She helps men and women internationally to understand themselves and each other sexually and relationally. We are going to talk about her queen of the BJ program that she has, and this should be a lot of fun. In fact, I know it was a lot of fun. And I get really raw and vulnerable in this one. Um, I am pretty open in this one. So I hope that you get a lot out of this. I hope you learn a lot about how to communicate, how to honor yourself. You know, she talks about sexuality is where we hold our greatest shame and it's so true and it prevents us from enjoying a lot of things and to have stigma about things. So when you have judgments around what other people are doing, often you have shame in that area that is informing that feeling, that judgment. So I encourage you to take a look at that, listen to this podcast and find out how A previously religious journey can really affect your sex life and how you show up in oral sex, in many other things, but particularly the blowjob today. We talk about the yes, no, maybe game and just a really wonderful phrase to say, um, to honor a a no from someone. And I just love that. So I want you to pay attention to that, um, Yeah, there's just so much to talk about, but I'm just going to leave it there and I'm going to let you just get right into it. So when we come back, we'll get right into this conversation. See you soon. It's a juicy one. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser, By clicking the link at the top of the page, that would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. I'm so excited to be back and talking to my guest today. Oh, you're in for quite a conversation. I don't even know exactly how this is gonna go, but I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm talking to Carla Ruvaro, so she is in the UK and it turns out she's Italian, so you know, I I know a little something about Italians, if if any of you remember me talking about my boyfriend, so um but Carla is a trauma-informed sex, love, and relationship coach. So today, are you ready? We are going to be talking about, drumroll please, blowjobs. Yes, I said it. I said it. Okay, Carla, welcome. Thank you
1: for being here. Thank you for having me, and thank you for being so brave to talk about A topic that for some people becomes like this point of, oh, my God, how do you even start? (laughs) So, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm all about authenticity. So there's really no topics off limit for me. And I'm actually not uncomfortable talking about anything, really, especially when it comes to sex. I don't think there's anything that can make me uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult to make me uncomfortable. So, I mean, you can try, you can, you can have at it to try to make me uncomfortable. That would be fun. Um, Anyways, Carla, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah. So um, I work with men and women, helping them to understand themselves and each other sexually and relationally. So I work internationally as well. So I have my online course and I do one-to-one coaching. Um, So, yes, that's me in a nutshell with regards to work. Um, And then myself personally, I am non-monogamous, living with my co-parenting partner, who is the father to my children. Um, I have a boyfriend. And, um, yeah, so those I would say are sort of the personal elements of who I am, um, as well as obviously the work that I do as well. Nice.
0: And this is a non-monogamous podcast. So I'm all about normalizing ethical non-monogamy on this show. So this is awesome. I always love talking to other ethically non-monogamous people because it adds perspective. And to me, I really I want to spread awareness to people about how normal, how beautiful, how ethical this world can be. And how rich it can be when you do it and navigate it well and you have a strong foundation coming into this world. Um, Because it does take a lot of deprogramming from the mono mindset, right? This idea that we've been fed from birth about what things should be or, you know, this fairy tale forever model that we have. And, um, yeah, so I've been separated for over three years now, no coming on three years and, um, we still live in the same house and people are like, how do you do that? And I was like, because, you know, we're not enemies. Like the point is never to be enemies. It's like conscious uncoupling, conscious decisions consciously choosing a different model or a different style. It's not like waiting till things are so bad that you hate each other and you can't be together anymore. So I I love the freedom that ethical non-monogamy brings because you can choose what's best for you without completely disrupting life as you know it. Because it's about more, it's about not just being enmeshed with one person. It's, it's about, you know, experiencing connections with other people and building your life around not needing one person to validate you and you don't get your worth from others necessarily. You get to construct and design what it is that feels good for you. And I like that because I was never
1: taught that. Um, and I love what you're sharing because, um, so when, so I was married up until a few months ago and I say, I live with my co-parenting partner because that's who I was married to. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, we took a look at the relationship, um, Anarchy's smorgasbord to have an idea of like what we could do with moving the relationship forward. Cause exactly the same as you, like we get on, um, we have a really good relationship, a really good friendship although when we did decide to separate sexually and romantically, I'll be honest, you know, it did bring up a lot of stuff for both of us that Mm. we um, have had to go through. Um, And um, yeah, so it's given us the opportunity to have those discussions around what worked, what didn't work in our relationship. And yeah, I would definitely use the word conscious uncoupling as well Mm -hmm. to, to talk about that. And um, yeah, that, the, the fact that, yeah and it's really funny because like normal people normal in the sense of people that are living monogamous lives are like mm-hmm. does your boyfriend not mind that you're like still living with <laughs> your um I mean I refer to most people as him as my ex-husband just yeah me too but in in these sorts of env- in these sorts of environments I say my co-parenting partner because people generally get that and it just makes things a, a lot um clearer as to the to the relationship so because our values, you know, bringing up the children are all the same, and you know what our our goals as like a type of family unit are the, are the same as well. And it, you know, and when we looked at it, why well, actually completely live in separate houses? Our mm. children are nine and nearly six. Mm. You know, having that stability of two people there is really important to them. How would we actually do it logistically? Mm-hmm. You know, have them live. One week at mine, and then one week at his. The cost of separating everything, especially with the like, you know, the living crisis that they're calling it. Um, so all of those different factors create extra stress on on you as an individual parent, which then you're going to send a level of that stress to your children. It's just, yeah. If you get on, why not live together? Like, yeah. Why? Why not? Um, so it just it, it requires um, communication, but all relationships require communication, whether it's, you know, a sexual or romantic relationship or a friendship or, you know, a business relationship, whatever it might be. Um, If it's going to work and it's going to work well, it requires communication and self-awareness of, you know, what you are bringing to the relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. And that goes perfectly with like my relationship redesign program, right? Like it's all about, Let's take a look at what the model of your relationship is and then what it is that's working for you, what it is that you want to keep, what do you want to renegotiate, what do you want out of life, what do you both aspire to, what are your passions, what do you desire sexually, all these things, you take a look at everything and then you redesign just like we do in our spaces, our homes, we redesign all the time, but yet we don't take a look again at this marriage that's supposed to last forever. You sign one contract, and that's it. It's supposed to last forever. And it's like, I am not the same person at 47 that I was at 22. Like, there is no way I'm the same person. I was very fundamentalist evangelical Christian then. Very different rules, very different dogma that I adhered to in my life. And now I'm a completely different person I love who I am now, but I also have this freedom. And I always say that sex positivity set me free. So, my very brief, short one liner story is Bible school graduate, college graduate, like university, right? Like Bible school at that level turned Playboy enthusiast. And I I discovered, (laughs) I discovered Playboy because it was sort of the worst of the worst. It was that. You didn't talk about or you didn't look at, especially as a Christian playboy, you know, like that was like terrible. And so I was like, well, I'm going to find out very quickly if all I've been taught is true about these people. Right. And um, I discovered my people and I was very, very perplexed. I had a lot of cognitive dissonance all of a sudden. And I was like, "Uh, how can that be that these people are the kind of people that are feel so authentic and loving and caring and intelligent and consenting and respectful. Like it's all the things that I hold dear in connections with people and they were just being themselves and they were naturally being that they weren't putting it on. They weren't like, you know, I just thought the the conversations at church The people were great, but the conversations were so shallow. You couldn't actually have your own opinions about things. You couldn't really like ask a lot of questions. You had to just kind of go with the flow and fit the mold. And I, I made that okay with me. I, I made that valuable to me, but it made me very proud and egotistical and I, I, had to know everything and I had to prove that I fit and that I understood things when inside I didn't feel like I fit in with most people in my world. I I loved I was always a sexual person, but I had no way to express that. I had no way to really talk about that. Masturbation was wrong. And I'm setting up for our whole blowjob talk because I think this is really relevant because I know I'm not the only person listening to this podcast um that comes from that kind of background a religious background and it could be any religion and I mean I didn't call it religion I didn't consider myself religious at all I was not religious I had a relationship with Christ you know it's very different but it's not all all of religion has set up a format a structure that we are to adhere to in order to be good or to be valued or have, Inherent worth, right? And the big one for me is that I was nothing without Christ. Like I did not have my own inherent worth. Well, that really changes how you see the world and how you see yourself, how you see self care, how you see your sexuality. When you have no worth of your own and it's all tied into Christ and God, well, then every choice that you make is through that filter, right? (laughs) So, um, is it any wonder that, you know, blowjobs was not a conversation that I had ever had before I got married, right? It just wasn't. And I remember my ex before we got married talking about oral sex and wanting to go down on me on our honeymoon or something. And I was like, what, what we can't, we can't do that. Like once we get married like then we can have sex. That's how it has to be, right? Like <laughs> penis in vagina, that's sex. The other stuff, that's like not right. You know, this is my this was my thinking. Yet I was super sexual. And I was very open to a lot of things. And this is,
1: and this is exactly it. So, and this is, you know, your journey sounds reasonably similar to, similar to mine. So I grew up um Catholic. Um okay. and yeah, I wouldn't have called myself religious but I went to church and and I chose to go to church as well in my like late teens um and um yeah I would say I had a relationship with God or Jesus and um I um grew up with southern Italian heritage as well so um and that really did affect my sexuality so yeah it was also quite similar for me it was like sex was seen as um Okay in the thing to do. And oral sex was, um, especially for a woman going down on a man, was just seen as really slutty. Yeah. And yeah. And I just, I I, I thought women who enjoyed giving ahead were really, you know, were, were sluts, basically. And yeah, because of where I was in my own sexuality, that it was um, you know, that part of me that was slutty was I was so much in denial of her existence that I would project that shadow part of myself onto the women around me. Yes. And what that meant was that if women had sex when they went in a relationship or they gave a guy a blowjob in the toilets or whatever it might be, <laughs> you know, automatically it was like they're, they're sluts or they're being taken advantage of. And uh, I didn't yeah. see the fact that they were maybe in their own sexual empowerment and just really enjoyed pleasure and um their own sexuality and enjoying another person's body I just yeah that could because there was a part of me that feared that so um mm-hmm. and for that reason you know I would go down on a man if he asked me I would never offer to do it and mm-hmm. it's not something that I you know in the past ch- chose to do um right. and I did it um and I didn't enjoy doing it and um yeah and you know The whole thing with ejaculation really grossed me out. So it was very much, I was very disconnected from my sexuality. Mm. I saw um, penises. I saw cops as like, um, you know, the the idea that they penetrate felt like intrusive, like Mm. being almost attacked. And also my relationship with men was also very, very disconnected. You know, back in my 20s, I considered myself a bit of an anti-man feminist. So, you know, the patriarchal system that we have, my personal um, view was that it was created by men. Now I know that my opinions and beliefs around my sexuality, other people's sexuality, about um you know, who men are and what they are was actually me, like, continuing that, um, yeah, perpetrator of the patriarchal system. Because by keeping people in boxes of who they should be and how they should behave um, means that you are contributing to the patriarchal system. Um, And, you know, that realization, you know, over the last few years has just been really profound for me um, to come to, to the realization that, you know, women are also contributing to that system by not embracing their sexuality, by judging other women and their sexuality and by judging men as well. Um, So, and this is one of the reasons that, um, like I created a blowjob course is because of the shame that there is around giving head. Um, A lot of women say that they don't like it and I used to say I don't like it. And for women who want to like it, because, you know, it's really important that people tune into what feels good to them. Is it something that, you know, deep down, there's some sort of resistance there? There's some sort mm-hmm. of conditioning. If you have an inkling that that's what's going on for you, then that's who the course is for. You know, mm-hmm. if you've had like some sort of trauma or you're just generally like, no, I love all sorts different types of sex. I'm really confident in my sexuality, but blowjobs yeah, you know, I'll do them, I'm okay with them, I don't have a problem with cots or anything, I'm generally okay, it's just not something that really gets me going, then, you know, the course possibly isn't for you. But if you know that there's something within your Mm -hmm. sexuality that's feeling, you know, disconnected, disjointed, you know that um, there's a part of you that feels shame, then, you know, that's what it's about, using it as a tool to Mm -hmm. really connect to your Inner self. Um, And the reason that I use the term queen of blowjobs is not (laughs) you're going to become the queen of of blowjobs compared to everybody. What it means is you're going to find the part within yourself, who is the queen, who is, you know, some people like to use the term goddess or priestess or whatever it might be, but the person, the part, the subpersonality within you that is your empowered piece that can. Um, that you can connect to that you can embody, and who is going to you know make your sexuality alive, and that is what it's about,
0: nice, yeah, I like that because I think that we do have a lot of shame that has been conditioned into us about sexuality, especially those of us who were religious, and funny that you say you didn't think that you were religious because I didn't think Catholics were even Christian because they were so religious, right? It was just ridiculous. I did. People say, Oh, I was religious. You know, I grew up, you know, religious too. I was Catholic, or I grew up Christian too. That's what they say. I grew up Christian too. I was Catholic. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's not the same at all. Now I'm like, Of course it's the same. Of course it's the same. But it was, it looked very, 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 very different to me then. And I was taught that. Catholics weren't Christians, right? They didn't have the truth like I did. It's work salvation, not salvation by grace alone, right? There's so many things, so many things, but that's a totally different topic. But all that to say that that this shame conditioning is so, so big. You said something that you were one of those like anti-men kind of feminists back in your 20s, I was the complete opposite. I have never been the anti-men feminist. In fact, I am now like the feminist that wants to like wrap up all the men and hold them tight because I feel like they're so misunderstood. That's that's me, right? And I think that's probably why a lot of men do come to me and open up to me and feel safe discussing these things with me because they feel no judgment and they don't feel like they're attacked um for just being men <laughs> you know and having manly desires and you know fantasies and things so that's very interesting you said something about this idea of of the slut shaming right and that this idea so watching a, bl- a blowjob for me on, like, a porn blowjob. And I mean, I never watched porn until like maybe 10 years ago, right? Like, I'd never seen porn. I, that was not in my book. <laughs> um, So, watching porn or watching porn a blowjob, I mean, just disgusted me. Like, I, I have no, no desire for that. Now, I still don't enjoy watching it. I just, bleh. I don't enjoy it. Um, but what I do enjoy with a blowjob, and I don't know if you'd call it a blowjob, but I enjoy a very, very sensual like kissing and licking and just taking care of that area like it's precious. And I love holding a cock or the balls. It's something that I find very enticing and i very much enjoy that but like a blowjob that's like you know choking you and and making you gagging like i hate that like the the idea of it i hate now it's probably i i don't think i have shame about it the same way there's probably remnants of it um but i prefer connecting so that's Built into my sort of DNA of connection, and so I think that's why I like to approach it that way. And I find that a lot of blow, a lot of times blowjobs, and even even going down on a woman, I find that very disconnecting because it's you're so far away from each other, or there's no uh, eye contact or things like that. And I think maybe that's partly why I struggle with it. And the other thing is my jaw. Like I am very physically uncomfortable doing that. So I can see you writing. So this is good. It's going to be like a little session. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: first of all, what I wanted to like speak into with regards to the whole anti-man thing, which actually ties into perfectly what you're talking about. So, Um, and this has been part of my personal journey and some women will probably be able to identify with this because some, some women I've spoken to who now really enjoy giving head, they have had a similar journey to me in the fact of, you know, their relationship to men. And, um, yeah, so for me, um, when I started to heal my relationship towards men Mm -hmm. and I stopped seeing them as stoic, unemotional, having innate confidence so once I sort of peeled back the layers and saw that actually they want the same things as women like exactly the same Mm. you know they want connection they want intimacy they want to be loved um all of the things exactly the same and I know this because I work with men too so um the realization of that the fact that they want the same thing but it's just the conditioning was different was a, a massive um, thing for me it was it was a, a huge revelation let's say in fully understanding men and what they want so once you really get to understand that and in the course itself what i've done is i've invited some colleagues who are male sex coaches male mm-hmm. intimacy coaches and male relationship coaches To talk about their own relationships to blowjobs, to women who like blowjobs, like in the past and in the present, to talk about Mm -hmm. the relationship to their ejaculation, to their bodies, to their flaccid cop, to Mm -hmm. their erect cop. Um, So having all of those conversations and, you know, they're all very, very different, but with similar themes running through as well, that they also have had body image issues to a certain extent. You know, they've had reasonably unhealthy relationships towards their sexuality or their masculinity um and so you know part of the process for women is understanding that because when you understand that the way that you are going to approach a man's genitals is completely different when you see them in some way as a, as a threat because for me a blowjob isn't you know like the whole thing you were saying about um porn and gagging yeah what men you know a lot of the men that I speak to what they get from a blowjob where the woman genuinely enjoys being there. And you can tell if someone's going down on you and they want to be there, if they're just doing it just to get it done and out of the way. Mm -hmm. What a lot of men experience is a huge amount of connection to the woman that is giving them head. Mm -hmm. Um, so they feel honored. They feel respected. A lot of men can have issues discomfort around a flaccid penis especially if they're a grower rather than a shower Mm, so like a grower is you know when your penis is small and then when it's erect it's you know quite a bit bigger so you know so some men have a real discomfort and feel really uncomfortable so as a woman if you're able to understand these things Mm -hmm. you take away the pressure of them needing to have an erection you compliment their flaccid cock you um you know get really um clear on the parts of the genitals that feel pleasure again always checking in with the man because every man is different some men Mm -hmm. absolutely love their balls being played with and some are very very sensitive there so you know it's always good to have these conversations. Yes, for sure. When you are, when you're approaching a blowjob from a place of, of, you know, um, honoring the man that you're with from accessing your own pleasure, because you're curious of how they're, you know, and if you want to start off with their cock soft without the desire and intention as a woman and of trying to get it hard, but you are going in with curiosity, you're going in with play, you're giving them compliments, you know, about their cock and you're going in with all of that, those intentions that completely shifts, um, and it is considerably more satisfying to a man to receive that mm-hmm. um, than it is to receive, you know, a blowjob where the woman's gagging and and choking, you know, um, because yes, yeah, some men will get off on that because of the whole porn element. Of yeah, it. yeah. Um, it's a bit of a fantasy, and they they have to a certain extent, you know, been wired to to want that because that's yeah. what it looks like they should want. Yeah, yeah. But when a man becomes connected to him, When a man comes, becomes connected to his body, to his sensations, to his own sexuality and masculinity and feels comfortable to receive because some men feel like they need to be doing to a woman and they can Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable receiving a blowjob. So when a man is in that place and he's with a woman who is, you know, in a way, giving him his cock oral worship, Mm. then um, that completely changes um, how a man is going to receive it. And also how a woman feels around her own sexuality, because it just gives this huge um, confidence in the bedroom. And there's something that you mentioned before around like the shame. And, you know, what I say frequently is that, Our sexuality is one of the places where we hold our, you know, greatest shame. And it's also very foundational to who we are as human beings. So what that means is when we um, explore the parts of ourselves in our sexuality where we have shame, and for some people, this can be blowjobs, you know, there are lots of other elements, maybe just sex in general. um, But once you get to bring awareness to the shame that you have, if you're able to, be aware of that shame and hold yourself with that shame and be fully present while you notice the shame being there. <clears throat> what that does is it in a way sort of unlocks the the what the shame causes you to do, causes your behavior or patterns. Because shame generally what we tend to do when we're feeling shameful is we project outwards our discomfort, we shut down, we contract. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, healing those parts of ourselves where that shame is, and really becoming to loving acceptance and for it being there, it sort of like unlocks this confidence within ourselves. It gives us access to, um, you know, exactly what your podcast is related to being authentic. It frees mm-hmm. you, and it gives you the opportunity to connect to your authentic sexual expression. Um, and yeah, and that's why, um, I think really learning to, c- cause this is the th- whole thing where like the whole marketing and everything it, really, what I am guiding women to do is step into the pleasure around blowjobs, but see them as an oral worship, you know, but the marketing's not going to work for that. So, you know, I've got to use language that, the average woman is going to understand. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's about stepping to your own sexual power as well as creating that connection and learning to worship orally a man without the feeling of giving something to them that you're not ready to give. Because one of the things about in my twenties, being an anti-man feminist was the idea of being on my knees to a man or submitting Mm. to him. And the reason that I had that fear was because I didn't feel in my power. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had good boundaries. I didn't feel, you know, I felt very much in victim mode. So being able to heal those parts of myself, my sexuality, my, you know, um, Hold my victim rather than try and get rid of her notice when she when she shows up. What that's allowed me to do is feel more comfortable being able to be on my knees to a man because I'm not giving anything over that I don't want to give. It's something I'm yeah. choosing to do rather than something that I'm feeling, in a way, forced or or pushed into or I'm feeling obliged to do. So mm-hmm. um I think um I have covered most of the things that you were talking about. Although when you said, that your jaw physically uncomfortable. If you're looking at blowjobs as a way of oral worship, when your jaw gets uncomfortable, move on to something else. And yeah. then when your jaw's feeling better, move back. You know, um, I don't think a man wants you to be down there and in absolute pain and agony. Um, that doesn't no. feel good for, good for him to receive.
0: Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Okay. There's so many great things that you've said. I think I might call this episode oral worship, the secret um, to the bJ or something like that, because honestly, mm. thinking of it as oral worship, that's that's the part I love about it. The problem is they don't ever stay soft. Like I wish they would just stay soft because I really, really <laughs> prefer flaccid penises. and they just magically get hard all the time. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy. I think there's a vulnerability there to me that i really really like and you've addressed that in in what you've said it it makes so much more sense why i love sort of the that oral worship and the flaccid penis because if someone is willing to be flaccid with me and to just receive and enjoy that worship there's a vulnerability that they have to be comfortable with their manhood however it is and allow me into that space. And I think that I get really sad when it turns into now the the porn style fantasy wanting to be played out. I, I feel sad because to me now we're no longer at the connection stage. Now we're at the you know, fantasy, like playing out a role stage. And sometimes I'm not ready for that. So I don't know if you can address that for me. Um, And I'm sure there's other people that struggle with that as well. So, okay. So just to set it up, oral worship, I love it. It's enjoyable. I feel like almost nestled in that area. To me, it's it's a precious area for me. And I have zero issues with being there. That's not the issue for me. Um, once I get into it and they get very excited if they want to then start like face fucking me or something, I do not like that. And so I think it's very important to, to talk about your boundaries and I'm sure you're going to expand on that. Um, so I don't enjoy that. And I think that those men who have been conditioned by porn that, okay, now this is the next step. And it's just like, they want to do that. Some of them, right. Um, they want to Facebook you and they want to get it in as deep as they can and, and hear that gagging. Like if that's something that's very, um, okay. So I enjoy being down there in that flaccid stage. That brings me a lot of joy. Well, this next step for them heightens their experience and it's something now for them that they love to enjoy. Uh, my mouth does not open that wide my teeth are very narrow, which I know sounds really silly. But like, if you look at other women's mouths, <laughs> there's not a lot of room in mine, especially if you happen to have a curve. That is a sideways curve. That is a very difficult situation for my personal mm, physicalness to handle. Um, But also there's that there's that shutdown that happens when, you know, all of a sudden it gets shoved into my throat. I don't enjoy it anymore. And now I feel slightly violated. And I'm wondering if there's, if there's a hang up there, or if there's something that I haven't communicated well, or if I just have a block, I don't want to let go because ultimately I do want that for them. I want to be able to provide that. I want to be able to do that for them so that they can experience a fantasy that is, is fun for them too. But if it turns into that every time, I just don't even want to go there because I don't like that. So there we go. Talk me through that. Because <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only yeah, one. So, and I
1: think that's, and I think that's where, you know, some women have got the idea as well that they don't, you know, the idea or have, you know, been conditioned or feel that they don't like blowjobs is because of the way that a man has. Um, behaved or treated Mm. them during the blowjob. And this is why communication is really essential. And I have um, um, a yes, no, and maybe specifically related to blowjobs. So this is a game where I love that game. I love that game. Yeah. Um, so you go you can either sit down and do it together or do it separately and you go through the things that are a yes for you and things that are a no things that are a maybe or a fantasy and it's just an opportunity for communication and to talk about things um you know because and also bearing in mind that, like you said sometimes you want some things and sometimes you just don't want them so um and if you know that some things are always a yes like Um, yes, always play with my breasts while I'm giving you head, that's always a yes. And then if the Facebooking is like, sometimes I might be up for that, but not always and making, you know, the person, um, you know, your partner aware of that, it's a really good communication. And then, you know, if you want to give them Facebooking, because you are are within your boundary to say no as well. And I think that's important to really highlight that your no. You know, one thing, because I go to play parties, conscious play parties. And one Mm -hmm. thing that's always said is, you know, as you're doing like the practices together and you you move round from person to person. When somebody says to you, no, the reply should be thank you for looking after yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. how we need to see a no, you know, so. The reason being is because um, a no, quite often a lot of us when we hear no, we take it upon a personal rejection or something related to us not being good enough or maybe doing too much. And if someone is saying no, it's very often related to their own boundary and has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's something to do with them and themselves. So if someone says no to you, the courage that it took to say no absolutely needs honoring. So, um you know getting into the habit that if someone says no thank you for looking after yourself an essential part i think within
0: love that i love that so much because you know a lot of people that i work with and and myself uh being a, a recovering people pleaser <laughs> um i find that being able to say no is so challenging because as a pleaser you want to do things for other people and you've Trained yourself to not honor yourself in many cases, and then if you have any sort of guilt about, oh well, I'm not doing a blowjob very well, and so if I deny them that, then I, I'm, they're not actually getting a blowjob. You know, I'm not doing the thing, and so there's a lot of rewiring, reprogramming that we have to have, and I love. I love, 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 love. And I think I want to make a big poster saying this. Um, Thank you for looking after yourself because even, even an exercise where you are playing say the yes, no, maybe game about anything sexual. And even every time your partner says no in the game to honor it with that response. Thank you for looking after yourself. And I think that could help a lot of reframing more quickly, right? Like that subconscious mind will find that there is a, now a dopamine release, uh, you know, that, that hit of endorphins for actually honoring yourself, that praising, being praised for making that, that tough decision that honors you instead of feeling shame for denying someone else something for your own good, because that's that right there in my mind reframes it because I often feel bad that I can't provide something for someone by honoring myself. I'm still I, I'm able to honor myself now, but then I still sometimes struggle with feeling like I'm now they're missing out, or I I didn't provide them with a with a situation that they wanted. And part of that is you know in in my my marriage i was often called selfish you know or made to made to feel like i was a pillow princess you know um and there's absolutely not, nothing wrong with being a pillow princess sometimes and we're allowed to want that but the idea that i got was that that's all i was and I, and yet The truth of it is I was the one initiating all the time, (laughs) and I was the one giving the blowjob to get things started. So I think there was a negative connotation for me of the blowjob has to happen in order to get someone interested in me, and then I'm not allowed to receive after that because They're going to lose their desire. I'm going to be the cause of them not wanting to have sex anymore because now the blowjob was for nothing. Like there's all this language that I would use for my, towards myself and which caused sort of this breakdown of things. Because once I got over the idea that I didn't mind blowjobs in the beginning, like I worked through that pretty quickly at the beginning of my marriage, right? Because uh, I wanted to be that, I was the wife who was never going to say no, right? Like I, I, I really was very intentional about my sexuality and our our coupleship, our sexuality as a couple I was very intentional about that. And so, then as the years went by, and as I didn't, and I, I realize now that we've consciously uncoupled, like we were very, very different people and we wanted completely different things and valued completely different things when it came to sexuality. But of course, as a virgin Christian, you don't know that about yourself. That's not a part of the, the you know, the questionnaire you fill out <laughs> as a Christian getting married. You're like, oh, godly man, check. You know, strong, steady, emotional rock, check. Um, you know, diligent, check ethical check you know all these things that make them a good person uh you know are good with children or, or or respect children or are helpful and you know they're not the bad boy blah 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 all these things are what created my rubric of what would make a good husband i made a great con- uh, conscious choice but we're not talking about sex and trying it out and figuring out what would work before. And never mind the fact that you have nothing to compare it to, which I think actually is why why this whole virginity thing is so so big is like you if you have nothing to compare to, then you really don't know what you're missing, but you still are struggling, right? You don't know what you're missing, you don't know what there is, but you still think something's wrong with you. Like at the end of the day, we all um, know I think something's you- up. I-
1: yeah, that's what I was going to say, because you don't know that something's missing, but you know that something's not quite right somewhere yeah. because maybe it doesn't feel as good as it needs, as it should do. Maybe, yeah, because you get embarrassed about things and and you don't want to and maybe you don't feel safe or something. So mm-hmm. I, I people know if if there's like an issue in sex, you might not be able to pinpoint what it is, Right, but I think there is this like, there is this feeling of knowing, you know, that there can be more. And I remember, you know, cause what took me into coaching was doing loads of self-development work and I'm mm-hmm. saying to myself, you know, my sex life could be better. Like how? I, I had no idea. I was having orgasms. He was having orgasms, yeah. you know, technically, you know, we were scoring well in that sense, but I just like, yeah but I was like there could be more something something just not quite right and if you'd ask me what, what's the more I'd be like I have no idea I just know that I can I can feel more like my, like I said nothing to do with my orgasm itself because I can feel that and I can have yeah. multiple ones as well yeah, yeah. but um and I think and I think it's not until you actually fully start exploring all of the elements that we're talking around, like yeah. shame, conditioning, your relationship to yourself, to your body, to other people. Um, and and then, you know, once you start unpicking it, you can like really hone into those areas and then you can choose to do something different. You can choose to be with the discomfort. You can choose to have the uncomfortable conversations. Once you recognize that you're a people pleaser, um, then you can know that when you say no or you say yes, but you really mean no. Hang on a minute you know, um, that's the people pleaser in me. Cause I don't really feel like that. And I don't really want to do that Yeah, because you can bring it into your awareness. And the first time you start making the changes and you start saying no, when you want to, you know, if you're, if you allow yourself to be with that discomfort that you feel in your body, because it doesn't feel normal for you to do that. And you do, you get sensations of maybe oh, yeah. they're going to leave me. They don't, they won't love me. You know, I'll be rejected. Um, If you're able to just be with that while you say your no, your body then learns with more practice and more no's actually, you know, this is um this is safe for me to do. I can say no and and still be safe. And you know, that in itself can be a journey. And you know, you can practice those no's, you know, with with your partner and and play play around with them, different types of ways of saying no. So playful no's or really stern no, um, just to Noticing your body, what feels uncomfortable, and give yourself the opportunity to be with that as well.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking too, as you're saying that the, you know, it's okay. So for someone's response to a no, thank you for looking after yourself. But before you even get to the point where you have to say no, you know, to to just like address the elephant in the room and say to your partner, if I say no to something. I want you to know that it has nothing to do with you. (laughs) It has everything to do with me and my comfort level at that moment and trusting my body and trusting myself. And I need to know that I can honor myself and that you are not going to feel responsible for it. You're not going to feel, um, like it's against you. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you say no to someone, attacked, offended, yeah, offended or slighted or yeah, like don't, don't take that on as it, it's about you because nine times out of 10, it's not, you know, it's not that you don't like the person. It's not that you don't want to please them. It's not that you don't love who they are towards you sometimes it might just be like a technical issue it might be fine 9 times out of 10 but that day maybe you're you're more dry or sore and that angle doesn't feel good and so you don't want that or you can't keep going but that's not a personal attack that's what I'm that's the words I wanted to say it's not a personal attack mm-hmm. a no is never a personal attack and i think that and the have- great
1: thing about so I was going to say, and the great thing about saying a, a no is that when you hear someone say a no, you can trust their yes a lot more. Yeah. You know that they really want that. Yeah. Yeah. And if um, someone. This is, this is what I share. Yeah. so. So this is what I share with with people, like, don't be afraid to say no, because the more no's that you are able to say, the person that's receiving the no, trust the yes. And it allows you then to, once you have full trust in your own ability to say no, it gives you that opportunity to surrender. And when I say surrender, I don't mean being passive. I mean, allowing yourself to fully open because you have created a container as a couple where you both are able to be fully present and honor whatever comes up for either of you. So if you know that you can say the word no to somebody, it is gracefully Mm received, that gives you the opportunity to say yes, to try things, to Mm -hmm. experiment a little bit more, to get a little bit more curious, because you know at any point that you want to, you can pull that back and that will be held uh, with with love and support.
0: So you just addressed one of my steps to communication or one of you can't they say communication is the most important thing and and yes it's great it's one thing to communicate that you don't want something or that you want something but if you don't feel safe there is no communication right you won't want to communicate and that communication will not be received so if you don't feel connected and if you don't feel safe your communication, It doesn't matter what words you use, if they're perfect words or not, you will not be able to communicate. And so I love that this creates safety. You know, the the important part of creating safety is to hold space without judgment and to know that you can trust someone with your truth. And so I love this honoring of the no. And being able to trust that if I say no, you're going to stop or that you're not going to take it personally because if I can trust that, I can speak up for myself and I'm going to be more willing to say yes more often because I know that I'm not going to be trapped in my yes, right? I'm not going to be stuck having to follow through even if I feel uncomfortable at the moment. And again, it might be something that you're comfortable comfortable with most of the time. And just that day, you don't happen to be comfortable. If you don't have safety, you're not going to feel comfortable saying your no. And that safety starts with being safe with yourself. <laughs> like you, if you can't even say no to yourself and honor the fact that this is something you actually don't want and that it's okay to not want it. If you can't start there, you're definitely never going to feel safety with your partner because it it does start with us. It really, really does because I can't communicate to you my boundary if I don't feel safe expressing my boundary, if I don't feel like I deserve that boundary, if I feel like I owe someone some, something instead of looking after myself. So it all comes back to loving ourselves first. Like it really is so important in creating safety. Because then we stand up in a different way, right? We show up differently.
1: Yeah, because when you love yourself, you're able to place those boundaries. You're able to um, ask for what you want because you value who you are and your own desires. You value um how you want to experience the world around you, including, you know, your relationship, um, sex um yeah no I love that so it's not just about creating safety but also um creating safety sorry with your partner but creating safety within yourself and giving yourself access to that to that self-love um which comes right down to you know being being comfortable with with who you are knowing that you know you aren't for everybody as well um and you know if you if you stay true to who you are then the right people will find you and in mm-hmm. relationships and sex, um, especially, you know, it is about creating connections with people that can um love and support you for exactly who you are and as you're showing up, you know, now mm-hmm. in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's
0: so true. Because if you aren't able to stand up for yourself, here's a great example. Um just an analogy kind of thing, is is if if I'm feeling like I can't say no to sort of the the gagging, face-fucking blowjob. I'm probably going to attract a lot of men that that's what they love. And they're going to think that I like that and that that's okay. I'm going to draw more people that want that with my energy. But if I stand up for myself and say, you know what, actually, I don't love that. There's a whole bunch of women that do love that. They're going to be for them. That's fine. I don't need to be that person. I don't need to do that. I can do a blowjob in my way. I can do oral worship and love that area and do those things. That's my specialty. That's what I do to honor myself. And with certain people, I will take it farther if I feel safe. Um, but then those are the people I will draw in because they will know that that's, that's not for me. I'm not that person that's going to give them that. And so those people will stop coming my way on a regular basis. Right. But if I keep feeding that by not saying no, then I become the energy of drawing the things i don't want to myself and it's easy then to, to then become a victim and just be like oh well everybody just wants to use me for my mouth and blah, blah 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 well if you're willingly doing that and never saying no then yeah you're using yourself
1: yeah no i love that i love that whole and um, reframe reframe even bring because quite often these conversations take part in things like you know dating or um But, yeah, even bringing it right down to the sexual level, you will attract people um, who who want those things. And the thing is, I think, you know, it's important to be aware that if a man wants Facebook and that that's valid and that's welcome. um, But um, it's also honoring the person that you are with that if they don't want that, you know, are you open minded enough to be able to go, Okay, you know, this is something that I desire. The other person isn't willing to offer that. Can I be open minded to explore? how they would like to approach um, blowjobs and then be open to receiving that and having conversations around that. And if Facebooking is really, really important to you, then you need to say, okay, is this relationship going to be one that I want to continue with or go further? And the thing is as well, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that someone's going to say no to something forever Um, because, you know, if Facebooking is done right um, Mm -hmm. and men are very, because... One of the problems with face can be, you know, damaging the back of the throat, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and you know, some women don't want to, to to gag, and there are ways of doing it where, you know, um, men can be very, very much in tune with what's happening. Yeah. You know, so if a woman can explain, so if you can explain, Corinne, what it is about it that you don't like, a man can potentially. Yep. Um, you know, depending on on what those concerns are, a man could potentially adapt it to get what he wants, but also do, um, you know, be within your boundaries. So, can I ask you what what it is about Facebook and that you don't like?
0: Um, so it depends on the the shape for sure, because it depends what the angle is. If I can't open my throat enough, so I'm not gagging, um, then I'm going to. I, if I do gag and I often will throw up, which that's not sexy. I don't want to be in that situation. And as much as I love to do that for someone, that is a real thing for me. Also, (laughs) I tend to squirt when I gag. And so if I'm not prepared for that, then I'm going to have another, I've got another worry on my mind, right? So those things are, are logistical things that that are things that I don't like. But once I've worked that out and figured that out, um, I feel like if someone's just grabbing my head and face-fucking, without my consent before that happens, I feel that's probably one of the only ways I feel violated, honestly. Because I feel like there's not a respect of my physiology, a respect of my moving to that next stage because I am in that worship stage. Also, I think sometimes I feel like there's pressure that in the blow job, it's my job to make them come. And I can't go that long. My job will not operate for that long. And so I do all the things to, to, I guess I do all the things that I would love done to me, you know, like really take your time and tease and all these things that get you really worked up, which I understand can make them a little bit crazy. And then they're just like, ah, I got to do something with this. I get that, but warn me that you're at that point or let me know that you can't handle (laughs) that teasing, that that's not for you. If you if you aren't able to, to receive that, because I have to be able to give in a way that feels good to me as well. And if that's not something you want, or you can't handle that without going to Facebooking, then I'm probably not your person. You know, I'm probably not your best choice because maybe you like a different, different way. But if you want more of a tantric blowjob, I'm your girl. Come to me because <laughs> I give really
1: good hand jobs so, and that kind of blow job. <laughs> so there were three things that you, that you um, spoke about. Um, so first off, um, so I'm going to go backwards with what you said. So you said if they're feeling like, you know, all this um, turn on has been built up and they're feeling really, really, you know, crazy, like they need to do something. Possibly the invitation to the man at that point could be to breathe into the turn on. And as he exhales, like moving that turn on through his body or even, you know, doing like a a microcosmic orbit. So breathing the turn on up to the top of the head. And as he exhales, bringing it back down the spine and moving it around. So that helps just to, to calm everything a little bit down. So if it's like an eight or a nine and like ready to like do something else, then moving that turn on with the breath can be really, really supportive in that. So mm-hmm. encouraging him to do that. Also the pressure that you feel to make them come. So, and I'm curious to know, is that something that they have vocalized or is that something that you yourself is like, you feel that you've got to a certain point and now you feel that that's where it has to go. So where where where's this like pressure to make them come? Where do you think it comes from?
0: So with some people that I feel zero pressure for that, I think there must be some language in porn that they hear that, uh, is supposed to be a turn on maybe (laughs) for women, but it makes me feel pressure. So one of those things is, um, Oh my gosh, I feel so full. You know, my balls feel so full. Okay. What am I supposed to do with that comment? Another one is maybe, um, you know, I'm, uh, oh my God, I want you so bad. Or I, I feel like there's, there is a phrase that, that happens every once in a while. It's not like I'm going to come. It's not that one. It, it, but it's like a, oh, I want to come so bad or something like that, you know? And that might be, a phrase that they are using to connect or want to connect or to show their pleasure. But if we don't have that conversation, like I have recently, I've had that conversation. I've been like, okay, when you say this, what do you mean by it? Because I have been taking it as pressure and it makes me feel like I don't want to engage with it because I don't want to be responsible for your orgasm. I don't want to have to make you come through a blowjob, you know, maybe sometimes, but like, if that responsibility is put on me, then the joy of the, the connection, the joy of the action is no longer there for me. And it's not that I don't want you to come, but like, I don't expect you to make me come. Like, I don't put that responsibility on you. Like, I know how to move and I know what I need to do in order to come. And I know when I'm not going to come and I know to not make someone feel responsible for that, I'll stop or could just cuddle or whatever if I know that that's not going to happen. So to me, I want that same respect. And if that's something that is more difficult for you, like you need to know your body and you need to be aware. I understand that in that moment, we all would like to come. That would be great if we all could. And if your tendency is that you can't come as easily, you get to take that into your own hands because it turns me off to feel that pressure. But if I understand that those words are just meaning, oh, I'm really enjoying this and, and I'm really into it, that's totally different. So again, I think having the conversation and understanding that.
1: Yeah. Because it's interesting, the the terminology that, that- – that you know you read and that you're feeling too, because I'm hearing that for you comments like, you know, I want to come so bad or i or I feel so full, you know, I hear that you're taking that on as like your responsibility to do something with that. um the way that I read it myself is literally just what they are saying, um, so yeah, so it's interesting to see how that has sort of in a way, you know those words have become for you. Pressure. and I'm really curious is it you know have have you had like relationships in the past where people have put that responsibility on you um and that's maybe something that you've carried through and your like nervous system is hyper vigilant to certain comments that might indicate you know this this is what this person wants like have you felt that sense of responsibility before
0: I think that the person has
1: actively put that there
0: um for a while, yes, with, with, with someone. Um, but I think it's more so like the, the programming of like, because I was the one in my marriage initiating that I needed to do everything I could to keep them interested till the end and make it worth it for them. Do you know what I mean? Um, because if they lost interest or if it wasn't fun for them, they were never going to want to have sex with me again, which would have been the worst thing in the world for me. (laughs) Right. It was already challenging. And the thing is like, I'd initiate, but it didn't mean I was turned on. I just wanted to connect. And so I really wrestled Mm -hmm. with that idea of like, how do I show interest, but I'm not but I want some attention too. Like I, it was really a mind fuck for me of figuring out how to initiate. And I couldn't communicate because I didn't feel safe to communicate. I didn't feel understood or seen. And that's just because we had such different ways of communicating and t- totally different needs. Um, and I've learned so much since then. And again, I just want to say I knew the words to say, the proper communication tools. But in my body, I didn't feel safe. So those tools didn't come out sounding right. And so that's why I'm so big on it's not the words you say. It's not the words you say. It's the intention behind it. It's the safety you feel in your body. It's how connected you feel in order to say something wrong and it still be understood. That your intention is understood. That is so important to me because i was misunderstood so much and i did know the words and i did know how to structure a proper communication sentence do you know what i mean and so i get really triggered when when people say give me the words or tell me what to say i don't want to tell you what to say i want to tell you how to plant your intention or or shift your mindset so that you see it from a different perspective shift your story and the words will come and then we can help with the words but i just oh I've just had a situation like that. And I just, I'm so sad inside because it's not about the words all the time. It's about what you're trying to say and being clear with yourself, what you're trying to communicate. If you don't know
1: what you're trying to communicate. And it's about that embodiment. yeah, and it's about having them come with that, come up that with like an embodied presence as well. But what going back to, um, you know, this what you explained with a previous partner um, and having to give them um, a blowjob to sort of get get things going. It sounds very similar to a lot of you know couples that I speak to, where things can end up feeling transactional. That yes. you know, and responsibility seems to be put in the other person's like. That we we tend to like think, you know, I have to do this for me to get this, yeah. or you know, I have a responsibility for this for them to feel a particular way, um, and yeah, so we can end up getting in getting stuck in in those like sort of dynamics, and you know, this is why, as you were saying, the whole communication way beforehand, like you know going out on dates and stuff, something that I am, because I'm not dating at the moment, but when I used to go on dates, sex was one of the very first things that I would talk about just to see how comfortable they were talking about sex, just so that also I could get an idea of what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, And it just, you know, enabled me to get clear on a lot of things, to be able to put boundaries in place with certain things as well, if I saw like particular patterns of behavior showing up. But yeah, it's just... Um, it's interesting, isn't it? How we can begin to interpret other people's language as well, things that they, that they say, how we can make things mean in our own internal environment based on, you know, our past relationships and what we bring, you know, from those into our present, um, into our present situation. So, Yeah. yeah, so I really thank you for for sharing that because yeah sometimes going into your own um um you know your own journey can feel quite um especially when you're doing it on a podcast can can feel yeah. quite vulnerable anyway so um so yeah I really appreciate you sharing that thank you and there was something else that you were saying as well when you were going this through the the, the reasons that you didn't like facebooking you said um that um you don't like the gagging because um, you know, also with, with the squirting as well. So, and I'm curious to know with the whole, um, face fucking, if it's something that, you know, you agreed beforehand and you set the boundaries and container that they aren't to do it to the extent where you gag, is it something then that you might potentially feel comfortable doing?
0: Yeah, probably. And, and sometimes I do set up for that and like, I will try if I am prepared mentally, and, and this is sort of the boundaries that, that we've set up now, um, which has been great because we discussed all of this. And, and so now I know that, or, or he knows that if I am going like as deep as I possibly can go, if he tries to help out, it's over. Like I can So let me do that. Let me do that for you. That is such a gift I'm giving you in that moment to try to take as much in as I can, because I know you really enjoy that. Let me do that for you. But if you break the boundary of trying to push yourself on me, literally, then I now don't feel safe,
1: you know? And then if, this is the thing with, um, I was just going to say, this is the thing with like deep throating um, because I have um, a deeper expert as well who, who comes and, you know, teaches if you, that's something that you want to do. And this is what she says. So she says that if you are deep throating, you have to be in complete control because you can damage your throat. You know, it, you could gag and you know some women don't mind gagging some women do you know yourself you said that you squirt especially if you've just eaten a meal the risk of gagging is that you might vomit um so when it comes to things like deep throating so if you have men um um, you know a lot of men listening to your podcast absolutely if a woman is looking like she's deep throating deep throating absolutely let her you know take control of that because the moment that you get too involved she's just going to be like I'm not doing that again because I need to trust that I'm in full control. I need to be able to protect my throat. I need to be able to get into the right position to be able to take all of Mm -hmm. you. And yeah, again, as you said, with the, with the Facebooking, you know, if you want to do anything like that, you know, a conversation needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that you need to have the conversation in that moment, wait until the next time and then say, you know, or when you're not having sex, sorry, and say, you know, let's have a discussion around this is something that I'd really like. How do you feel? What are your boundaries around it? Is it a complete no? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I was asking you, Corinne, what, you know, what the reasons were um, just to be able to sort of um, unpick it a little. But if it's still a no for you, that's still a no, you know, and that no no need to be honoured. Sometimes things can be looked at just to explore what it might be yeah. and there might be something that can be adapted or adjusted and everybody's happy and sometimes it's just a clear no and that needs to be respected too. Yeah.
0: Well, and a lot of times I don't have the energy to hold my mouth open so far for what it takes, especially if there there's a curve. <laughs> you know, there's a curve to get around and I do not want to shred him with my teeth. Like this is a real thing and if if you are too aggressive, i'm I'm now in protection protection mode because it literally doesn't fit in my mouth. Take that as a compliment rather than me not wanting to do it because honestly, I don't want to shred. It's a lot of work for me to not, like rip you apart with my teeth in that moment. and And it's not because I'm trying. It's just I only have so much energy and I only can do so much. And if I'm not prepared, I can't make the necessary adjustments to make that happen. I need to know it's going to be short-lived. I need to know that I can switch it up and that you're not going to be offended. And if we can agree on those terms, then we're okay. And again, we have worked through this and we have talked about it and figured out the boundaries, um, but we did have to have a lot of conversations and it was simply just not understanding what each other meant by certain things. It was the story we were telling each other. You know, if I felt disrespected, that is absolutely not what was intended. Absolutely wasn't. It was c- completely the opposite of what the intention was, you know? So it's really cool to have these, to have a safe space to express these things. And I, and I really just back to your, your, Two phrases. I just want to go back to those. You know, like when you say no to your partner, as the partner, thank you for looking after yourself. I love that. And then that whole idea of communicating that if you are the person that is saying no, that it is not personal, that it is in no way intended to be hurtful to them. It is simply you getting to honor yourself and again, thanking them for making that choice or thanking thanking you for making that choice. That is such an amazing way to create safety before these conversations. Such a great way. So I thank you for adding okay. that language to my repertoire because I do end up communicating these things, but I, I think that the conversation could be so much shorter adding those two phrases, you know, <laughs> It means you don't have to go around and around and around. It'll be it would be much clearer, quicker to um and this is where language is exactly. super helpful, right? This is where shifting your language can really, really help. But if the intention is through a story and if you're reading the words as you know, something completely different, then you're not you're not going to be able to communicate to begin with. It doesn't matter if you did use the mm. words,
1: you know. And yeah, and in this situation, the language can teach you to come into that place of understanding of, of what re- really is going on. So just by learning to say that means that, yeah, you're able to make that shift internally because the more times you say it, the more it starts to sort of make sense. The more you, you, you know, your body remembers it and feels mm-hmm. it as like true to, yeah, to that person looking after themselves. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um- so we do have to go cause we're running out of time here. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to say earlier, so just that, um, just in support of non-monogamy and, and sort of the beauty of this world and how it can apply to situations such as this. So let's say that your thing is face fucking. Okay. So we were talking about this earlier. If your thing is face-fucking and you really like that, but your partner that you love dearly can't handle that or really it's a no for them and they don't want that, but they love, you know, oral worship and there's so many other things about them that you love. In ethical non-monogamy, just because you respect someone's no doesn't mean you will never be able to experience that. It means that we get to experience the things that we enjoy in a context of safety and ethics and respecting people's boundaries. And so we don't have to be sacrificing everything that we want anymore. And so it's much easier to accept a no when you have other choices too and when you get to honor that other part of yourself. So if your partner's not into kink at all and you love it and it's something that you want, you're never gonna get that with your partner Instead of keep pushing and keep trying to get them to understand how important it is to you and and causing resentment and frustration between you, ethical non-monogamy can be such a beautiful answer to that. If you are like, I just honor my my person and I love being with them and they just aren't into kink and that's okay. That's not them. Maybe I can have a kink partner and both people can be happy her that she doesn't have to do that, and him that he gets to experience it. So there's so many extra reasons why non-monogamy can be so beautiful. It's not just like, oh, well, my partner doesn't want to do that, so I have to go get it somewhere else. No, how about we just honor that and be like, I love that, that I get to experience things with other partners that my partner can't give or doesn't, Enjoy or doesn't want, like that's okay. I get to enjoy those things with other people and I don't have to pressure him to be something he's not in order to get my needs met. And I think that's beautiful. So I wanted to add that in.
1: <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's totally that. And that's not just with blowjobs, that's just with, you know, everything, loads of different things. So maybe exactly. you enjoy going out dancing and you've got a partner that doesn't, or, you know, maybe you enjoy going to the theater. It's about, yeah, it's about looking for what it is that you would like to have that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe is is missing in an area of your life. It might be, you know, a romantic partner that can fill that. It might even be a friendship as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's keeping keep an open mind that um you can have different relationships with different fulfillments with different people in different ways. Um, and I don't know if you've had anyone talking about um, relationship anarchy um, and the relationship anarchy small smorgasbord, which if you put into the internet search, you will see, but that's a really great thing to think. Okay. And have conversations with friends and partners. Like how, how, what is our relationship? What can I come to you? What problems mm. can I come to you for? Like what, what, how, how are we going to define what our relationship is? Um, you know, because some relationships are a little bit more, you know, um People that you would spend time with on on a um, social level. Some people you might not spend as much time with them on a social level because you don't have as much in common, but they're there for you emotionally. So, mm-hmm. and this is friends or partners. So, getting clear yeah. on how you you want your relationship to form at any level, I think, um,
0: I, is important. I, and that. So I was just going to say, I think that that is the key. Like for me, why I love ethical non-monogamy is that I get to be me, and I get to experience friendships at whatever level works for the two of us. So like, again, if that person is an emotional support and whatever, and I don't have sexual desire that I can still like have that amazing connection with them and and bring that into my life. If someone is great in bed, but it just isn't, you know, doesn't understand me as a person as much, and they're just a lot of fun in bed, but we get along and we're friends, like I don't need them to be the emotional support if I have my life built that I have like a tribe around me of people that fill different needs. And I'm not sitting there sulking that I don't get my needs met. I get to go, oh, I've got this here. I know who to go to for this. And I know who to go. I'm not isolated by myself. I'm not sitting there Resenting my partner for not seeing me and not this and not that, right? So it's so important to do that, and I often talk about it as a buffet. I have seen that this this Margusborg. Um, I have it printed out somewhere, and I have it. I have it somewhere, but yeah, it's it's so great to look at all the possibilities. And you know, um, one of my guests, Dr. Jolie Hamilton, talks about romantic friendships, and that that's not talked about enough, and there. It's like having a romantic partner. It's just without the sex. It's like everything about it without the sex. And I love that because a lot of my friendships are that. People think it's all about the sex for me. And it absolutely is not. I love connecting. I love being myself with people. I love being able to cuddle. You know? Mm -hmm. So my boundaries are very clear. If we can't have a great conversation, if we can't cuddle, we're not having sex. That's my that's my boundaries. And that's for one-on-one sex. So that's different than, you know, adding a third person. I maybe don't have to have that with them. But um, that, again, is things that I've figured out. And you can jump in with both feet and you can dry your feet off. You You can get out and you can change your mind and you can discover what it is that you actually want. And I think that we don't give ourselves that permission. We have to decide right now and the model is you decide you better make the right choice because this is forever that's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure so with that is there anything else that you would like to add Carla because this has been such a great conversation thank you so much
1: no all I just want to say was yeah thank you so much for having me it's been um yeah it's been really great to chat um, about our journeys, which seem reasonably similar in, in yeah. you know, where we were and, and where we've got to. And yeah, the work that you do um, sounds really, um, yeah, sounds really heart opening, actually, you know, bringing different ways to different people about how to relate to each other. I love it. So yeah, thank mm-hmm. you for having me. And thank you for the work that you do.
0: Thank you. Are there any links you'd like to share with us where people could find you or find your things? And I can put them in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, so my website is CarlaCruvaro.com. And um, for any women listening that that's where they can find the Queen of Blowjobs online course. And um, I'm on Instagram. So the.sexuality.sanctuary. Um, most of my best content is on my website, because obviously, Instagram can um, have a lot of censorship around it. Right. So, <laughs> So if you really want to know, like, stuff about anal or blowjobs or vaginismus or whatever it might be then yeah my website is the best place to get information around that perfect
0: well thank you so much for sharing and thank you for being so thorough and holding space for my vulnerability because you allowed me to share and i could see you taking notes and then you would address those things and so um if that's any indication of how you work with people you make them feel safe and you hold you hold a great space for them, and um, you know, allow that process to unfold and give you know great guidance. So, thank you for that, and um, thank you for honoring my situation and allowing me to share with my audience because these are personal things, right? But I, I love to share vulnerably if, if it has a purpose. <laughs> right? Like if it helps people understand things, uh, when I can share, I love to share because I think it's so valuable. And I learn from other people's struggles and, you know, their learnings and experiences. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Carla, and thank you for being my guest. And thank you for introducing us to the queen. Was it the queen of the blowjobs?
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you for having me, Queen. Bye.
0: Oh, that was a fun one. I hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, I got a little vulnerable there, but I think it was for educational purposes. And I think that is helpful and important to learn as much as we can through other people's experiences. Sometimes it's so helpful. So I just wanted to bring up wasn't that sentence amazing when you receive a no to be able to say to that person, Thank you for looking after yourself. What an empowering statement. I want you to add that to your repertoire because it can be night and day. It can change things. And also when you're the receiver of a no, to remember that it is not personal. It is rarely personal. And we can create safety by making those statements and assumptions because those are healthy assumptions So I am going to just, I don't need to say anything else. It was a long episode, but it was amazing. It was juicy. Thank you, Carla. Thank you for being here and honoring this space and holding a safe space for me. So when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. I will see you guys next week. Go be authentic. Are you struggling with your sexual well being? Are you often disappointed in your relationships? Do you have unrealistic expectations? Do you ever wonder if you are actually cut out for monogamy? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right, you've been brainwashed since childhood with a series of beliefs about sexuality and relationships. We call this the mono mindset. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Shouldn't I be satisfied? Content? Just be grateful? Well, you aren't alone. If this resonates with you, you are ready for the Breaking Free From Monogamy eight-week program. In this eight-week program, you will learn how the mono mindset has set us up for failure in our relationships and in our emotional and sexual well-being how the mono mindset keeps us from being truly authentic in our sexuality and relationships, how it keeps us small and gives us a false sense of security, why we think of sexuality and anything related to sex as wrong or taboo, and how the mono mindset has invalidated your desires. Do you think to yourself, I want to fully enjoy my life and who I really am. I want real connections. I want to be able to be myself. I want to understand my body. I love who I am, but I don't seem to fit the mold. Maybe you've thought, I've always felt like a sexual deviant, but I'm actually a really good person. I don't understand. Well, Many of my clients have said, Corrine, I didn't know I had choices. I thought monogamy was the only way to be happy and enjoy a fulfilling sex life. I thought that non-monogamy is for people that have commitment issues, and I thought it was just a way to legally cheat on your partner. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. But what if you could deconstruct the mindset that is holding you back from exploring other options? Well, you can in my eight-week Breaking Free from Monogamy program. Take your life back and become a master of healthy relating and sexuality. Lose the shame and guilt you've been programmed to feel in order to conform. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. Learn to love yourself and your desires. Discover what is natural and ethical. Breaking Free from Monogamy, an eight-week program shifting the mono mindset for greater intimacy and sexual well-being. Do you want to choose monogamy confidently or explore other healthy models? This program is for you. Please go visit offers.kareenbedard.com to go take the free Is Monogamy Right For Me quiz and to enroll in the new Breaking Free from Monogamy 8-week program. That's offers.k-a-r-i-n-e-b-e-d-a-r-d.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.